It's now time for our speaker to share. Please welcome Carolyn, who will share her experience, strength and hope for 25 minutes. Well, I just want to say how grateful I am to be here today. Um, it's the beginning of your day. Uh, it's the end of mine. I'm in the UK. Um, and the focus of today is gratitude. And, um, you know, I really hope that my share today uh, expresses how grateful I am to be here. I'm a little bit nervous, so please bear with me. Um, but I'm really grateful for OA as a whole. Um, I, I can't express enough how it is at the center of everything I do. Um, I'm alive today because of OA um, and everything that hap has happened in my life since 1987 has happened as a result of work in this program. And I just come here today wondering what it's like to, to be out there not having a program on a, one of the biggest food days of the year in America, certainly. Um, I remember very well what it was like to be out there um, on one of the biggest food days. And, you know, I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, but I just want to express my gratitude to San Francisco OA um, and to the St. Aidan's group um, who I kind of came into contact with. I think it was last April um, and it was just an extraordinary experience for me. And what it continues to, um, to demonstrate to me is that if I get out of my own way, my higher power has the most unbelievable things in store for me. And we started lockdown here on the 23rd of March. And, um, you know, no matter what's happening in my life, OA and my abstinence is at the center of my life. But um, uh, it was, it's a friend that I met in the program who recommended this online meeting. And now I feel like I have a whole bunch of new friends um, in recovery. And it's just amazing to me. Um, I've got a new sponsor. I'm so grateful um, for her presence in my life. And those, those people that I sponsor too, it's such a privilege. I don't even like to use the personal pronoun, you know, my sponsees. I prefer to say the people I sponsor because, you know, I don't possess them and um, they're, they're really important to me. And also somebody that I call my fellow traveler. Um, and we work together on the steps using WhatsApp. So I read, um, as I'm going through the steps again, I read part of some paragraphs, then I share what those mean to me and I send it on WhatsApp to her and then she does the same. And it's, I call her my fellow traveler, it's fantastic. Um, and I'm really grateful to my higher power, um, that goes without saying. So I was thinking about Thanksgiving and I had to have a little chuckle this morning because I thought about the essence of the Thanksgiving story or how it goes and you know this idea of pilgrims um, and First Nation people getting together to, to share food. And it made me laugh out loud when I thought about it because everyone in my family knows that if they even attempt to take anything off my plate um, in my abstinent meal, they're gonna get a reaction out of me that could border on violence. And this idea of sharing food, you know, um, on Thanksgiving just makes me laugh because <laughs> it's definitely not something that I would have ever done before program and even in program, you know, I have so much food every day and I'm definitely not prepared to share that with anyone. So um, the Thanksgiving story for me, the histor history of it anyway, always makes me laugh. Um, but on a serious note, I, you know, it's just another day in Paris paradise um, in England on Thanksgiving because for obvious reasons we don't we don't celebrate it here 
but I was thinking back when Peggy asked me to share of um, the Thanksgivings that I did spend when I was in the States. I'm American and um, I grew up in America and, but I've lived in England longer um, than I lived in America now. And there are two Thanksgivings that really came to mind for me and I'm grateful for both of them. One was before program when I was in college and a friend invited very generously invited me to her house, all 222 pounds of me um, to go and, and spend Thanksgiving with her. And I can remember being so uncomfortable at the Thanksgiving dinner table because it was really different to what we did in my house growing up, which was very chaotic. And they were very civilized people and everything was really organized and everybody was very polite. And um, I, I, I hope it's okay to mention food, uh, but there were these mini pecan pies that were given to us and we were allowed one each. And I was a nervous wreck, but I couldn't wait to get this, to eat this. And I ate it very slowly and very politely and then promptly volunteered to help clean up, um, take the dishes to the kitchen and stuff. And nobody else was in there except me. And I saw this tray of these mini pecan pies and I, I started stuffing them in my face. Like I was just, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's not a compulsive ever eater can't relate to this. And I was shoving them in my face so quickly, like hoping that nobody would come in the kitchen. And then somebody did. And I will never forget the shame and humiliation I felt as these huge chunks of these mini pies were going down my throat. And I kept my back turned to the person who came in hoping they wouldn't see me. And it was just so much shame and so much embarrassment. And they were so polite, they didn't say anything, but it was so obvious that I had stolen these. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one memory that I have of Thanksgiving, but then there's another one um, that happened to me after I came into program. And um, I was living in Phoenix at the time, and uh, there was a person, the person who is speaking today, um, actually invited me to her place um, and some other people in OA Phoenix for an abstinent Thanksgiving dinner. And I went there and it was the, probably one of the safest places I've ever been on Thanksgiving dinner to be with program people and to just have this abstinent food um, on Thanksgiving day. And um, I left Phoenix to move, move to England. So we went to the same meeting together and we were both committed to recovery. And then I moved to England and we lost touch. And I suppose it's been about two months ago, I went to the St. Aidan's meeting on a Monday and I think it's Monday, that's when there's one Monday um, in the month when it's an abstinent, abstinence meeting and there's a speaker. And this speaker turned up and introduced herself as Dawn C. And I nearly fell off my chair. After about 27 or 28 years, there we were together, both of us still in recovery at an OA meeting in San Francisco and neither of us live in San Francisco. So it's just incredible. And I remember that Thanksgiving really well. And I'm so grateful to Dawn for inviting me um, back in the early days of my recovery. Um, so I think uh, I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, the gratitude that I feel um, to all the people who are in my life, you know, today. And I also just wanted to talk about, you know, I made a list here of the things that I'm grateful for. And one of the things that I really wanted to talk about was my first sponsor who went back out again. Um, and she, 
you know, I don't know why she went back out again, you know, but I'm still here and that's all that matters. But she 12 stepped me in Salem, Ohio. And um, I thought I was really important at the time doing a really important job. And uh, she came into my place of employment and asked if she could put these posters up for something. And uh, before she asked me, she actually started putting them up. And again, all 222 pounds of me came stomping across the floor in all my great authority asking her, you know, what do you think you're, what are you putting up on the, my bulletin board? And she told me it was these posters um, for this, for these OA meetings. And I said, oh, can you tell me a bit more about that? Cause like some of my friends might be interested in this. So she told me, and um, as soon as she, she must've spotted me straight away, she had to have known. And, um, and right after that, I went to my first OA meeting in Salem, Ohio, that was on September 29th, 1987. And I had to walk through the cafeteria um, to get to the meeting room at the back in the hospital and all these doctors and nurses and hospital employees were sitting in this cafe. And I thought they all knew who I was and they were all gonna tell on me for going to this OA meeting. Needless to say, one has to quash one's ego in this program rather quickly. Um, and that happened to me. So, um, one of the things though that I just wanted to share that Ruthie, um, well, I've just said her name, but she, she said to me is, um, I cried the whole way through my first meeting and she said, um, all you have to do is eat three meals a day with nothing in between um, and then identify what your binge foods are. And I was at rock bottom when I came to that meeting and I didn't need to debate what my binge foods were. I knew what they were and I knew I had to take sugar um, out of my program. It was like my crack cocaine. And when I stopped eating it, I went through withdrawal. I felt like a drug addict. I felt completely crazy. Um, and one of the things she did is she told me um, to read this passage uh, from the big book, which is very much about um, crossing the line into addiction. And um, it says, uh, at a certain point in the eating of every compulsive overeater's life, they pass into a stage where the most powerful desire to stop overeating is of absolutely no avail. This tragic situation has already arrived in practically every case long before it's suspected. And I knew that when I read that, that I had crossed over the line into addiction. I had tried too many times before that to control my eating and I couldn't. And that was very, very powerful for me to, to, you know, in terms of acceptance. I have this disease, it's with me, I crossed the line, I can't go back. Um, and, you know, from that day to this day, I try to remind myself of that every day. I've been um, coming to OA for 33 years and I've been abstinent for 33 years and I will never be normal when it comes to food. Um, but what I know today is that I have a choice. I can choose to do certain things. So when I, um, before COVID, when I used to go out for meals with people and stuff like that, um, there would be somebody usually who would say, oh, we're gonna have dessert now, but you can't have it. And I just used to smile and say, well, um, actually I'm choosing not to have it. And just changing that language a little bit to say, you know, every day, one day at a time, I take steps one, two, and three. And I just confirm to my higher power, you know, that um, when it comes to, to certain foods, I don't have any choice. I lose my ability to choose once I pick those up. So I'm so grateful um, to my first sponsor in this program because 
it was just so significant for me to just be able to surrender and accept that I just can't do that. And that the battle is over. Now here are the steps. Here are the things that you can do um, one day at a time to, to keep going. And I just wanted to share um, my gratitude list and I've divided it into three, three bits, the physical, the emotional and the spiritual like we read out in the beginning there. And in terms of the physical, you know, I'm grateful every day that I can cross my legs when I sit down. That is not something I could do before I came to this program. I'm grateful that I can wear dresses and skirts without worrying about my thighs rubbing together. I'm grateful that I can wear jeans today and the insides of the legs aren't all rubbed out. I don't need seatbelt extensions anymore. I don't look for the chair in the room that is without arms. Um, so that I can, I can fit into it. I don't even think about the chair when I go into a room now. Um, I can shop in normal, normal shops for clothes. Um, I don't have to wear elasticated waistbands anymore. And you know, there, there's choice other than Lane Bryant. And for those of you who are of a particular age, you'll understand what I mean by that. Um, that's where I used to have to shop. Um, I love that I can be physically present at meals now, now with people and I'm not thinking about how I can't wait for them to get out of my space so that I can eat whatever I want, um, that I can actually listen to what people say and I can hear them and I can enjoy food with other people um, and be present. Um, I can wear normal size rings. I can be naked and be comfortable with my husband. I picked up the food in the first place because of shame about being a sexual woman. Um, that is why I started compulsively overeating in the first place. I've had a lot of shame um, I had a mother who shamed me. We have made amends today. Um, everything is fine in my relationship with my mom in terms of that sort of stuff. But that's why I picked up food in the first place. So to be, to be able to be okay naked and to be okay with my body is nothing short of a miracle. And I'm super grateful for that. In terms of the emotional, I'm grateful today that I can access my feelings, that I can feel fear. That is the emotion I feel more often than any other one but that I can feel all of my feelings. I, I can feel despair, joy, rage, anger. Um, I can feel nothing sometimes, just bland. I can feel depressed. I have a name for all of these emotions now um, and I don't have to eat over them. You know, I can just accept. And what I did before in the program is I think I was trying to flatline so what I would do is eat to numb myself so I wouldn't have to feel anything. Um, and today I can access tears really quickly. I can get very tearful very quickly. Um, and I'm really glad that I can do that. My hands are shaking right now because I'm nervous, but you know, I'm abstinent. And, and so I'm me and I'm here. And I think that's really important. Um, I'm learning with the help of my sponsor to figure out, you know, uh, where you start and where I end um, and, and how, to, how to work through some of the things I have um, in terms of my fears of people pleasing and all sorts of things like that. And today I'm really grateful because I absolutely relish solitude and I can tell the difference between isolation and solitude. You know, again and again, the literature says that, um, that isolation is a really big part of what we do. Um, and today I don't isolate, but I love solitude. Um, I crave it now. So that's, 
some of the gratitude for the emotional and for the spiritual. Um, I think I've been tested many, many times spiritually and my higher power really shows, I think, um, it's magnificence, magnificence through the people in the program. Um, so just to give you an example of some of the things, you know, if you're in program as long as I've been um, and you go through life cycle changes, then you're going to experience stuff. Um, and, and the tools, you have to have a way of coping with this. And my higher power helps me. I was fired in the first year of my abstinence, removed from my job um, because I had created wreckage before that. Um, I've had a pregnancy and I now have a 30 year old son and I had pregnancy in this program and I was scared of getting fat. Um, and, you know, there were people who went before me and they wrote stories in Lifeline um, and they helped me. And I didn't think that I had the tools to raise a child, but I have raised a recovery child. Um, and I'm really grateful to, for that. Um, spiritually, I, um, I have raised a child on my own. Uh, this was my greatest fear, you know, when I met my husband and decided to have a baby. I was scared that I would have to do this myself. Um, and he demonstrated to me that, you know, he was a really good father and I wouldn't have to do it all myself. And then when my son was six, my husband killed himself. And so I was alone in England with no family because my husband was British, but his family lived in Phoenix. And I was having to cope with um, a very traumatized child. My husband was missing for 10 days when they found his body in 1996. And I survived that with my higher power and I was surrounded by people in OA. Um, I started an OA meeting in the south of England uh, when I moved here, and I was one year abstinent when I started that meeting. Those people became the ones who formed a circle around me and helped me survive my husband's suicide. And many of those people are still in my life today. Um, so that's the spiritual stuff. Um, I suffered near homelessness. I wasn't homeless, but I came very close to bankruptcy after my husband killed himself. Um, I, I have managed to survive a second marriage and I'm still married to my second husband. Um, and now I'm facing the threat of redundancy at my job. Um, I've been at 21 years. I couldn't do anything for, you know, for, for a couple of months in a row without sabotaging it. And I've been in my same job now for 21 years. And um, there are massive redundancies being made at my place of employment. And, you know, I contacted my sponsor, we talked it through, and then all of a sudden these things have happened for me that are really positive because I just imagine when I'm in a really bad space or I'm really scared, I imagine that I'm standing on the cliff of the Grand Canyon um, and I'm gonna throw myself off it and my higher power will grab me and just pick me up and help me to fly. And I do these kinds of visualizations. Sometimes it's about thinking that, I don't know if any of you ever watched Star Trek, but that, that bit when they push the button and people kind of disappear, I imagine that there's this kind of golden sparkly dome that surrounds me and my higher power, there's, it's like a force field and nobody can get me. Um, or I imagine being wrapped in a kind of really beautiful, I used to put my son after his bath in this beautiful sort of toweling robe with a hood. And he used to just be so happy and feel so safe in that. And I try to imagine that, you know, my higher power puts me in one of those. Um, but in order for that to happen, I have to let go. 
and I'm not talking about letting go kind of halfway. I have to let go properly. And God, I'll tell you, I am a control freak. That is so hard for me to let go. Um, but I kind of know that I don't really have any choice, that even if I do st still try to keep pushing through, it's really not going to make any difference. So I might as well just let go and, you know, let my higher power help me. So my day today has been full of gratitude. I'm going to wrap up now. I have called this my gratitude week. Um, so instead of just having a Thanksgiving day, I try to have a gratitude week um, when it's Thanksgiving. I've had to work every day this week um, and that's okay. You know, I feel grateful for that. And um, I suppose just in closing, I want to say if you're new or you're suffering or you've got your camera off and you're eating right now or whatever it is that's going on with you, please, please know that there's hope. Um, there, there's hope in this program. There really is. I am telling you for sure, if I can do this, anybody can. I sabotaged everything I touched until I came into this program. Um, and just ask for help. Ask anybody for help. Um, and, you know, people in this program, they have nothing to gain except their own recovery by helping you. This is the only place that I've ever been where somebody's not going to profit or they're not going to try to sell you something or they're not going to, you know, they're not going to try to get something off you. They're just here because, you know, that they're recovering, you know, just like you. Um, so thank you very much. I'm going to stop there and, um, and just say thank you. <laughs>